Ready? Welcome to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. I could be more excited to have Todd, the donatologist Jones, in the house tonight. Just for frame of reference, it's about 10.30 at night on a Wednesday night. Todd just rolled in here from work from Brooklyn, deep in uh, downtown Brooklyn, I think is where yes. your store is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so Todd, just to give you a little bit of background, Todd is the founder, owner, CEO of Cousins Dozen Donuts. And also you have a catering business called Sweet Dreams Mini Donuts. That's correct. Where you make mini donuts for grownups, you know, mm-hmm. with Ciroc and Hennessy infused donuts, right. I'm sure millions of other things. And uh, you know, we were just talking about this before we went on air. The power of social media just amazes me, man. So, you know, someone tagged you on one of my podcast right. posts. And then that was last, that was maybe five or six days ago. Mm-hmm. And here you are sitting in the chair across from me, man. Well, so. let's give a shout out to Shanika Wilson, who uh, actually tagged me on, on a post, uh, which has, has me here today. Unbelievable. You know, yeah. Social media is very powerful. If you're not on social media, you don't have a business. Nobody knows you. you it's know? actually, I mean, it's amazing how true that statement is, mm-hmm. you know, especially now. Um, so, Todd, you know, I know you've been hustling for a long, long time. You've been yes. in the donut business for four decades. Yes. At least, I would say. Um, and, you know, you're a native New Yorker, grew up in Harlem, New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know you worked in Dunkin' Donuts for like 20 years, I think. And right. then I don't know if you were doing a side hustle as an entrepreneur at that time. But, you know, I just want to take it way back, you know, learn about you, the man, and then mm-hmm. we'll learn about your entrepreneurial journey. Because sure. I think your story is a story that could really inspire so mm-hmm. many people, including myself. So I'm really excited to hear it because, you know, like I said, this is my first time meeting you, man. Right, right. Well, it's my pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, man. So it, it started for me um, as a young kid. I say about 10, 11 years old. Um, I always did things to make money. Uh, it's, it's probably in my DNA. My father owned a cleaners called gg and and I used to go to work with him, and I, I loved, you know, how he did what he did, being an entrepreneur. Like, uh, he had his own time, and, you know, he was his own boss. That was important to me, you know. Um, I started shoveling snow when I was a kid, delivering newspapers, you know, that type of stuff everybody does. And then uh, one year I got a job in a restaurant, washing dishes. And and for me, it, it was it was very inspirational because the people who I was working for were people who looked like me, you know. Um, this is in Harlem? No, this was in uh, Jamaica, Queens. Okay. And um, I got to see up front how people operate businesses. And the way they treated me wasn't like I was an employee. It was like I was family, right? So two years after that, my, my sister, Michelle Jones, uh, dated this guy who owned the donut shop. It was three brothers. It was the Lucas brothers. They owned a shop called uh, Cup and Two in, um, in Springfield Gardens. And um, he asked me if I wanted a job. I said yes, and he taught me how to make donuts. So at 15 years old, uh, I remember it was, it was the summer and it was hot inside of that place. I was making donuts. Became really, really good at it. And I worked for them uh, all throughout my uh, junior high school years and high school years. And um, once I graduated from um, high school, I kind of worked for them full time. Then they, they lasted about maybe four years or whatever and they went out of business. So then eventually I started working for mom and pop donut shops. Uh, did in, that f- in Queens? Or? In Queens, uh, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and then I landed a job with Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, in I, like one of their like was the franchise? It then? was a franchise store. So yeah. someone's store. Someone yeah, store. as a matter of fact, it's not too far from here in Rosalind, okay, Long Island, yeah. off, off of Northern Boulevard. Uh, I worked for those guys for a number of years. I was like the highest paid baker in Dunkin' Donut history. I drove a BMW. My license plate said "Buy Donuts." Get out of here. Yeah, I was getting it right. 
And in the interim, I was also teaching people in my neighborhood on how to make donuts. And they got, you know, various jobs in different donut shops and stuff like that. So but I just want to, sorry to cut you off, man. Mm-hmm. So were the donuts, because my impression is like the donuts are like delivered from like some some central Dunkin' Donuts place. Right. And then like, you know, they're right. just kind of heated up or whatever. Right. And stuck on the shelves. Well, was it different back then? It was or? different back then. They actually okay. had bakers who were making donuts. Now, this shop in Roslyn was unique because where I was making donuts at, it had a window. So you can see what was going on. Now, I'm going to fast forward that, but just remember what I said about okay. seeing making donuts. So um, it was like one of the busiest Dunkin' Donuts in probably New York, right? And I was churning out these donuts, and, and the bosses I had there were very, very good. So the, the store was doing so well, they decided to sell it to another franchisee. Uh, this family came in and, and said to themselves, now nah, we're paying this guy too much money. We can get somebody to, be, to do it cheaper. So one, I think it was on a Monday, I came in. It's like, we want to talk to you. I'm saying, oh, man, maybe we'll give me a promotion or whatever. But what actually happened was they decided to let me go. Right? Wow. How Did, old are you? How old are you then? Uh, I would say about 35. Okay. And three months prior to that, my daughter was supposed to be born. They gave me one week's severance pay. Wow. And sent me on my way. So, how long have you been working there for? Oh man, about ten years. Wow. Yeah, and it wasn't the, the it was the new owners. Right. It wasn't the old owners because they treated me very well. Right. Um, so I got kind of depressed behind it. I said, you know what, this is never ever going to happen again for somebody to wake up one morning and decide they don't need me anymore. So because I love to read books, I'm a, a, a huge reader of books. Something told me to go to Barnes and Nobles. I go to Barnes and Nobles, walk in the door. Something tells me, stop. I look up. It's the magazine rack of Barnes & Nobles. It said, the spirit said, look up. I look up, and I can't make this up. It was Entrepreneur Magazine. I took it down, and I opened it up, and it was the donut machine I have today. I said, say no more. You already had it at the time? No. Uh No. I just walked in Barnes & Nobles, opened up the book, and they had the donut machine. Let's get out of here. And I was like, you know what? This This is a sign for me. And uh, I took that donut machine, uh, started a business in the Coliseum Mall, uh, and I called it Cousins Dozen. People always ask me, how'd you come up with that name? So here's the thing, how you, how you get stuff. It's not always about praying, right? Because when you pray, you're talking to God. What you need to do is be quiet and let God download it to you, which is meditation. And that's how the name came, Cousins Dozen. I stayed at the Coliseum Mall for about. Where's the Coliseum Mall? That's in Jamaica, Queens. Okay. This is where I was I was brought up in. So I stayed in the Coliseum for about maybe three, four years. And I couldn't really get the business I needed, the traction I needed. Did you have like a kiosk or something? Yeah, we had a little kiosk. Okay. And um, I decided to uh, look at another location, which is the Albee Square Mall. Um, I went to the Albee Square Mall, met the manager there. He loved my concept. Um, I had a little kiosk there. Then a year after that, he gave me a bigger space for a little bit of money because he liked the concept that I was doing. And I stayed at the, the um, Albee Square Mall for about 13 years. Then uh, after the Albee Square Mall... Did you make a good living at this point? Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I'm just thinking about just having that one donut shop, providing for my family, um, you know, like to pass it on to leave a legacy for my kids and my son and my daughter. And, and then I got the idea, like, okay, this is successful. 
maybe I should think about actually franchising it. But I kept that idea in my mind for, for, for a while. And what actually happened with the uh, Albee Square Mall, they sold them all. They sold it to another developer who was redeveloping it. I think he brought it for maybe $15 million. So as he's doing the redevelopment, Brooklyn started to get hot. So some other developers came to him and said that they wanted to buy it from him for $125 million. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) So they decided to throw all the vendors out. I was one of the last ones that they uh, threw out. And they, uh, there were a lot of uh, groups that wanted to, uh, you know, protest, you know, what, what the guy was doing and how they were doing Brooklyn. And they wanted me to be the lead person to, like, kick that off. So when they got me in front of the television cameras, I kind of flipped it because I had to think like a businessman. So when I got in front of the cameras, it's like, oh, so, you know, you really feel bad about leaving the Albert Square Mall and, you know, the things that developers are doing. I said, listen, man, it's business. This guy brought them all for $15 million and he got $125 million. Congratulations to him. And what I did say, I said, it's all good, but just show me where my spot is at. Some developers, the developers who brought it, when they redeveloped them all, I was in Atlanta doing my thing in Atlanta, you know, doing the Cousins Dozen thing. And it was like, hey, Todd, we're building a food hall. And we want you to be part of that. So you left New York at that point. I left New York, yeah. And you, you were down in Atlanta doing the same thing? Yeah, doing Atlanta, same thing. In a mall down there? No, I was doing Sweet Dreams, uh, maybe okay. doing the catering. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I was very popular on that scene. You know. So, I mean, you know, like, I just want to get into some of the nuts and bolts here. Mm-hmm. So when you started, like, I mean, you know, you, you started your business and got successful. But right. it's not like, but, you know, that's like really skipping a lot of the hard times, you know, right? Like. Yeah, like uh, that's what I want to hear, man. I want to hear like when you started that first kiosk, like you know what it was, what it was like, how many hours you were putting in, what it took for it to get busy, and then I want to hear when they kicked you out of the mall. Right. When you went down to Atlanta, you had to start this catering business. It's not like this customer's lining up. No No one even knows who you are down there. Absolutely. You know, it's like absolutely. You know, so there was that. There's like there's like major points of adversity. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that, you know, that's the meat of who you are, man. Right. Like, you know, that's what I want to hear. Right. So just before, we'll get into all the details, but go back to when you started that first kiosk. man. I want to hear like what okay. you bought this donut machine and what happens. So I brought the donut machine. I didn't really have cash. I used credit to do that. You broke. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, the guy just fired me. Yeah. You know, um, and I actually had to, you know, get the money up to do it. Now, I was married at the time. You know, my wife had a great job at the post office. But there's, there's a difference uh, when you're an entrepreneur and you you uh, get with somebody that's used to having a nine-to-five retiring pension. It, it, it kind of creates a conflict. So to convince a person, like, this is what I'm going to do, you know? And they're like, really? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make this work. So, you know, I go, I go get the donut machine. The first day, I remember the first day we, uh, we uh, opened up at the Coliseum, I opened it up with a friend of mine who was like my, uh, I would say partner. His name is Kirby Davis. Uh, he helped build the store. The first day we made $344. Doc, when That's I- That's pretty t- good actually, right, for your first day. Yeah, 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 but it was during Christmas. Okay. Christmas season. Yeah. You could not tell me and Kirby that we were not gonna be millionaires. Like we, like we counted that money a thousand times and just kept counting it, you know? We were so excited about it. But then after Christmas season, you know what happens? It dies down. It dies down. 
So, you know, we, we were struggling, you know. Um, so you have to pay rent every month? We had to pay rent every month. Okay. Um, Do you have employees? Yeah, we had we had employees. At, at one time, though, we had uh, some volunteers. You know, uh, one of my good friends, Joanne Davis, she would always come on Saturdays for three years, work for nothing, you know. And then I would have other people in the neighborhood who knew me who would just come out and help out also. So, you know, we, we had a lot of help. But just the sales just wasn't there, you know. Um, there were times when I had to borrow money, I had to take money from Peter to pay Paul. But my vision was that this was going to work, you know. The, the thing about it, I never had a plan B. You know, to this day, I don't have a plan B. You know, they tell you in school you have to have a plan B. I think that's a bunch of BS. You know, you have to be focused. You know, you got to cut the bridges because this has to work. Right. You know, and, and, and that that's what I did. Always my vision was no matter what goes on, you know, being behind in rent, owing taxes, you know, um, stuff like that. I always stay vigilant to what it is I want to do. So how long did it take that first go around where you have Calcium Ball? How long does it take until you're kind of flush, making payroll, you're paying your taxes, you're paying your rent, and you have some left over for yourself? Uh, it, it, it took, since I had two cousins, those 20, it took 20 years. I mean, even now, you know, what, what's, what's going on? I'm, I'm still, uh, I wouldn't say struggling. I'm making my way. Right. You know, um, I have a footing, and what I've learned how to do was to develop a team. You know, we, we call the, the dream team. And DREAM is the acronym for Donors Rule Everything Around Me. <laughs> you know, I got a good group of, of people that I, I'm working with that's going to take it to the next level. And that's one of the things I didn't have when I was doing Cousins Dozen by myself. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a team. I wanted to do everything myself. So where did you put that team together? Uh, I would say within the last year. Okay. You know, and it was people that came to me that wanted to be part of this. You know, we're, we're going to put you know everything in it and stuff like that. And, you know, we're going to... Make this thing work, you know. Cousins Dozen is the fastest growing franchise in franchise history, and anybody who works with me or or decides and wants to partner with me, I say that to them and ask them how do they feel, and if they don't have the positive feel about it, then I can't work with them, you know. I don't. Nothing is impossible, you know. The word impossible means I'm possible, you know. Everything that I've done up until now has been because of the fact that of. Uh, God has given me vision and provision. And, you know, one of my models is um, do not stop. You know, I, I'm just going to keep going, keep crashing through those walls until I get, you know, the vision of what I know Cousins Dozen can be. Um, but what, what are the downtimes? Like, what were the downtimes? Well, the d- downtimes are um, when we didn't actually know where we fit in in the industry. You know, um, there were some times where I was thinking, like, like, who are we? You know, and then I decided, like, we should stick with mini donuts. That's our niche. We came up with the slogan, mini is the new skinny. You know, um, those times where you see other companies doing other things and you tend to think that that's the right thing to do. It's like who? What are the other companies? I, I'll name them. Like a Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. like a Krispy Kreme, mm-hmm. you know, um, even like the mom and pops, mm-hmm. you know, um, Tim Hortons, you know, you, you tend to look at them and you're like, no, you got to differentiate yourself from that. But when you see them making money, you say, should that be what I'm doing? But like, who are you? You know, Cousins Dozen is always going to be known as the White Castle of the donut industry. You know, we're not yeah. doing big donuts. You know, every time you get a donut from us, you're going to buy it from us, it's going to be fresh and hot. 
you know. So that was some of the things that I struggled with, like the original Krispy Kreme in Atlanta. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, and um, just you know, like building a brand of of who we are, like just staying true to who you are, no matter what the uh, you know what, what the industry is doing. So you know? when you were having these like sort of conflicts of like the identity of your business, mm-hmm. was it like? Was it because like financially things were like not going well, like you know, and you were seeing these other folks like making all this money, like Dunkin' Donuts is like taking over, like you know, right. one of like every corner basically. It's like, kind of like a Starbucks, you know, right. where they're all over the place. What, what was going on with us? We were think, trying to think of other ways to make money. We started selling hot dogs. We started right, right. selling smoothies. We couldn't wait for who we were. Gotcha. You know, and I remember reading about um, a business like having an, an identity. You know, so I look at it like there's three positions that products can hold in people's mind. Like it's Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme, and probably Tim Hortons. So I was like, so where can I fit in that? Mm-hmm. So I thought about it. I was like, mini. Anytime somebody thinks about a mini donut, it's Cousins Dozen. Just stay true to your brand. And that's what we've been able to do for the last seven, eight years. So you took it back to that? Yeah, yeah. That's all you guys sell? Yeah, we, we sell popcorn, cotton cake, whatever you, right. like a bodega. Yeah. You know, it's almost like what Chris, what a Dunkin' Donuts is doing, like they don't even want to be named Donuts no more. Right. You know? Breakfast sandwiches. Breakfast, sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. you lose your identity. Right. Who are you? You're trying to compete with, with Starbucks, and you can't because right. Starbucks is a lifestyle. Right. You know? So we looking at, you know, how other people are doing the business. We want to make sure that we stay focused on who we are, you know? So that that's that's been it's been, it's not a struggle anymore because I, I I know who I am now. Right. You know? It sounds like you figured it out. Yeah, figured it out. So yeah. let's get back down to like Atlanta, and then coming back. Mm-hmm. So the mall sold for like 125 million bucks. Yes. You're I guess you're kind of in limbo at that point. Right. What am I gonna do? Right. So you decided to go to Atlanta at that point. Yes. Decided okay. to go to Atlanta, cold turkey. You know. Um, just drove down there and packed up your car. No, I just there. I got it. Eric drove me to the airport. Right. Uh, my nephew found me a place. Didn't have any furniture. We started from scratch. The first three nights in Atlanta, I was sleeping on the floor, right? Got some furniture. Um, got in contact with some people that I knew in Atlanta that was doing event planning. And um, they started hiring me to do uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs. As a matter of fact, here in New York, I got voted people's choice on the bar mitzvah circuit. Wow. So I kind of had a reputation, you know, because the bar mitzvah circuit in Atlanta and New York is kind of, you know, whatever they're doing, they're doing, mm-hmm. you know. So I got a leg up on that. Started doing um, pop-ups and stuff like that. And made a name for myself out there, you know. Um, and, um, you know, Eric was killing it here. So how long were you down there for? Three years. Okay. And did you still have a partnership stake in New York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, New York was, you know, that was mine too. Right. So you, did you come back and forth? Oh, or? yeah. I had an apartment. I, I started coming back and forth. Um, and then I decided not to uh, let the thing in Atlanta go. Okay. Because New York was, was popping for okay. us. Okay. You know. And um, so is that aligned with like all the gentrification of Brooklyn and stuff, where things started getting a little busier, fancier? Yeah. Barclays Center comes to town. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like becomes just like you know hipster central. Yeah, did your business kind of boom when all that stuff was going on? It took off. Yeah, it took off. Um, everybody likes. So what donuts. year? Well, like what year is this around when oh, things man. start taking off? I would say. I would say about. When I came back to New York, I, I forget what year it was, maybe five years ago. Okay. That's when things really started uh, to take off because that was a different type of clientele. Yeah. You know? Um, and like I said, everybody likes donuts. I just knew that I had to kind of 
like the, the that that group of people, they liked this fancy stuff. You know, that's why I came up with the donuts for grown-ups, which, which right. took off like crazy. And they, and they liked the fact that the donuts were mini, you know. Um, the only thing that I didn't get into, which I might still get into, is vegan donuts because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's a big vegan population down there. Mm -hmm. Gluten-free. Gluten yeah, gluten-free, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm telling people, I'm like, you know, gluten-free, that means I got to bake it. So if I got to put it in the oven, it's not a donut. It's a muffin with a hole in it. Yeah. Like, So donuts are fried? Is that All donuts are fried. Okay. But this is the donutologist definition. Right. If it's not fried, it's just a muffin with a hole in it. Okay. They have to be fried. The definition of a donut, it's fried. You right. know. Um Yeah, so we, we, we started in the um the uh, City Point Mall. Uh we started getting uh Is that where you're now? That's yeah, that's where okay. we're at now. Uh that's how Viceland found us. Uh we did a, a, a video inside of the mall with uh, us uh, drizzling Coquito Donuts. It went viral, 2.2 million wow. uh, views in two days. Um, you know, and just, people just started recording us and social media, and it just got us on the map. Wow. You know, I mean, the, the, the people down there, you know, they, they look forward to me coming there because I give them an experience. And that's what I said to, for you to remember about the window at yeah, the right. Rosalind. Yes, yes. That's where I got the idea that, People want an experience, you know. They with us having it in the window, they could see it, they could smell it, you know. We right. call it entertainment, you know. Like people you got these will, great phrases, man. Yeah, I love it. People will pay for experience. It's like going to Disney World. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to go see a mouse, but the experience in Disney World is phenomenal. You know, well, Shanique is a big Disney uh, World person. She's there right now. Oh wow! Yeah, so. We knew it was about experiences, and that's what differentiates us from a, a lot of other places. Like with the Dunkin' Donuts, I can like tell what their secret is, but of course they don't make them in the shops no more. Right. So people don't see it because I, I realize the more you see, the more you want. Yeah. You know, so we keep the donut machine is a star. We call it the... Um, the same the, one? Same donut machine? Same donut machine. Yeah, we call it the uh, Dream Machine. You know, it makes 1,200 mini donuts in an hour. I've been able to... Uh, Serve Steve Harvey. Uh, we did a wedding that Michelle Obama was at. Wow. I was featured in Old Magazine, Black Enterprise, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Um, I was on New York One. A lot of things, you know, from being in that uh, right. situation in um, Brooklyn. That's prime time, man. Yeah, man. Prime time yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever read Michael Gerber's The Ebith Revisited? Of course, that was one of my favorite books, man. Yeah, you know yeah. it's interesting because I actually had um, there's a place out here called the Cheesecake Spot, and I had the owner of the Cheesecake Spot. You ever heard of them? I was with him at the um, Rose Hill. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, oh, you know, uh, uh, Laura Laura Lo Jefferson. Jeff right? yeah. yeah. So she was a well, guest on my podcast, like okay. maybe my fifth or sixth podcast, okay. and we were talking about this a little bit, and mm -hmm. you know. It's like you know, either you're working in your business or working on your business, mm -hmm. and you know working these like 13 hour days that you're working seven days a week. It's a lot of working in the business, right? You know, and it's hard to work on your business when you're doing that. Like, how do you do? How do you do that? So the reason why I work the way that I work because I want to be able to teach somebody what it is they have to do to maintain a good cousin's dozen donor shop. Like I can say I did the work, so you know I've experienced it. So f for me. It's like getting a system of what I'm doing. Right. And I actually document it. So it's yeah, like yeah. part of my fan franchise uh, yeah, manual. Yeah. It's like that you whole know? McDonald's model with that. Same thing. Yeah. Same it, it's thing. funny. After I read that book, my staff actually hated me for it. But mm -hmm. 
I systematized every position in my office, like front desk, medical assistant. It's just basically this exactly. Google spreadsheet checklist mm-hmm. that then you just check it off. And, you know, I could say like, you know, I'm, I'm probably like, it, there's a probably like 80% compliance mm-hmm. with actually doing it. But I think it really makes a difference because does. What, what, and one of the things I got for that book was one is it really like shows what the expectations are, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. when someone new comes in, it's much, they're much more trainable because it's there. Exactly. And also, like, it kind of, like, I mean, for me, I would guess that it would give someone a sense of accomplishment that they're checking off all these things that they did. Right, but, wow, I right. did all the shit today. Like, I mean, you know, I was really productive, you know. And the reason why probably your employees don't like it, because they can be replaced. Yeah. Because you got a system. Yeah. You know, the people work the system. You know, you could take anybody and put them in the system and do that job. Yeah. Nobody's, like, irreplaceable. Right. You know? And that's what it, how you're supposed to run a business. Well, that yeah. makes you be able to franchise it, you know. Right, exactly. So, what's the what's going on with the franchising? So, I, I was saying about another ninety days, we should be ready. Oh, so, really? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing the process. We have a company that we're dealing with that uh, helped us build a franchise. Did everything from soup to nuts to that's, part, that's the dream price. team. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So we're excited. So, what do you guys think about in terms of franchising, like nationwide? Well, here's how York? how I want to do it because. Um, our mission statement has become the fastest growing franchise in franchise history. I'm looking for high net individuals who have a, who can afford to buy 10 at a time, which would include a food truck and buy an area. See, I want to do multiplication, which is have somebody buying 10 as opposed to somebody just buying one, which is addition. If I get 1,000 people to buy 10, that's 2,000 locations. You know, and a person, that's how we want to start out, you know. Um, another target market for us is women entrepreneurs because women are the fastest growing segment of the population who are starting donuts. I mean, who are starting businesses. Listen, talking donuts already. Um, and I think that's a, a, a good market to start in. Not only are they starting businesses quicker than anybody, but they're also failing because they don't have something with a proven system. And I think Cousins Dozens is perfect for them because it's not an all night thing, it's like mall hours. You know, um, and it's a it's a very high profitable business, and it's also easy to operate. You know, so I can see a woman having ten of these and just working the system. You know, and you you have all the manuals, everything set up. Yeah, we're, we're preparing those now. Those wow. are all going to be prepared when we franchise because it's we have to have compliance with New York State and other uh, parts of the country. And I'm also looking to do um, international franchising too, like have. One person, two people buy all of Japan. You know, I'm I'm really exponentially want to explode exponentially, and I think I have the I know I have the system that it could do that. Wow, man! Yeah. You just gotta get to the airports, man. That's another part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, is it hard to do that though? Like you know, like I imagine like they got the whoever runs these airports, they must have some kind of lockdown. No, they don't. They, as a matter of fact, they have special incentives for minorities. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's why I want women because women can qualify for locations like that. Oh wow! Yeah, well, that's great, man. Well, I, I love, yeah, I love the vision, man. You know, yeah. you're you're a guy who's definitely hustling. Yeah, and, you know, you got you got you got, this, you got a big vision, which is great. You know, because yeah. you're right. Like, and that mentality of why why not? Like, you know, right. why why can't I do that? I mean, you know, like if you know, Home Depot can 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 sell tools. And create create a billion dollar business. How, how about even bigger than this? Subways, sandwiches, yeah, sandwiches, thirty six thousand locations. Wow, yeah, man. Why well, can't do that with donuts? Yeah. The the question is, you know, is, is always why? Yes, I can. 
So talk to me a little bit about, you know, I am, and you must in your career have heard a lot of no way. I mean, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. There's no way that that's going to work. Uh, I mean, donuts, come on, man. There's already Dunkin' Donuts. Like, you know, they already got the lockdown on the donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, Krispy Kreme, you know, like, mm-hmm. you just, it just doesn't make sense, man. There's, there's no way that this is going to work. That's the first time I ever heard that. Nobody has ever told me no. I love that. You, no one's me. ever, no one's ever said that to you? No, absolutely not. Wow. Not. Because you know what a guy told me the other day? Two guys came to visit my shop and they said to me, to my credit, you're infectious. Like, this donut shit is real for you. I said, dude, uh, this is yeah. real. Yeah, like, but you're living, the, you're living it, man. Like, donut socks, donut, donut socks, shoes. Donut shoes. Like, yeah, it, it's not a game for yeah. me. Like, and, and I don't have to put anybody else out of business. See, to me, competition means you're saying there's not enough. Cooperation means there's abundance. You know, right now, donuts is probably a $12 billion business. When we get in it, it's going to be a $14 billion business. I don't look at it as competition. Right. I'm adding mine into it. Right. You know, I'm not taking away from anybody else. Dunkin' Donuts put theirs in there. Krispy Kreme put theirs in. Now Cousins does is gonna put his in there. You know. I mean, I mean that's a, that's such a great mindset, man. It really mm-hmm. is. You know, and I think that's something like so many entrepreneurs could mm-hmm. benefit from. Right. You know, the world really is a place of abundance. It is. You know, and there's plenty to go around, and you know, it's just your adding your piece right. onto whatever's existing. Exactly. And that's the exact opposite way of thinking that most people think. Most people think, oh man, it's already a saturated market. Right. I can't fit in there. Right. Or I need to you know, be super competitive and like you know, undercut this person's business and steal their clients and right. whatever it is. And that's just, you know, when you start with that negative mindset, that negative attitude, the the poor intention. Right. You know? Right. Bad shit happens. It's like bad karma, man. Exactly. You know, it's like bad business karma. If you go on Walmart right now today, how many bread things are there? Bread companies are there? Tons. Right? Yeah. And it'll be more space if you want to add yours to it. You, right. You never should come from a place of competition. Because I feel that all ideas come from God. Right? And why would God compete with his idea? That doesn't make sense to me. You know, yeah. it's all about cooperation. Cooperation does this. Competition does this. Yeah. You know, you got to have an expansive mindset. If we're made in the likeness and image of God, then this is what God is. God doesn't do this. Yeah. He does this, you know, and that's just the way, you know, my mindset. I guess I was just fortunate to have that, you know, coming from a, uh, like my mother, the way that she was. She was all about, you know, cooperation. It's like you don't have to compete with anybody. Did you grow up religious? Were you guys no, religious? No, absolutely not. No, no, not at all. Well, you were just just in this brief conversation. You strike me as a very spiritual guy. Spiritual, yes. Yeah. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Religious is is a lot of dogma. You know, um, to me, spirituality is, and I don't, you know, I'm not against anybody who no, does that. But yeah. what works for me works for me. Right. You know, I'm all about giving, man. You know, yeah. That's what life is about. If you look at the word forgiving. Life is forgiving, but you know what we do? We think it's about getting, and we forget. <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, I love I love the way you break these words up, and I also love when you're messaging me, and somehow donut works its way into <laughs> into like all the messages. <laughs> it's really amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you know, you're you're an avid reader. Yeah. Um. 
and I, I, I was an avid reader. Then I got mm-hmm. so busy with like life and kids and right, work right. that I stopped. But I'm back in it, man. I've been reading like Good. crazy for the last right. few years. Um, so tell me, like, you know, some of the books that that, that you love that have guided you in your mm-hmm. entrepreneurial aspect of your life, and also the spiritual side of your life, right. and you know, just other stuff that that you well, like to one read. One of the books that you named was um, Michael Gerber, mm-hmm. which was a great book. And another thing that really set me on fire is um, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. yeah book like changed my life that's a that's an expansive yeah that book expands your mindset yeah 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 um wayne dyer is is one of them um i'm a big abraham hicks um fan uh i like reading as a matter of fact i like reading essence magazine that's a black woman's Mm -hmm. magazine they have some very women the way they think is is different than the way we think yeah man you know like yeah, I've been a 20-year Essence subscriber, you know, that magazine. Um, Black Enterprise is one of my uh, books I like to, uh, magazines I like to, to read. Um, who else? Wayne Dyer. Uh, Neville Gard is one of my newest uh, ones that I like. And I listen to a lot of audio. So while I'm driving or on a yeah. train, you know, I, I get I get in in that way. I've actually never listened to an audio book. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it's, it's so... It's it's so easy to listen to and right. to absorb, you know. When somebody's too, like we're having a conversation, yeah. that's that's what it's like, you know. Um, those are the books I like to read. I like to read uh, biographies about uh, one of my favorite uh, mentors in my head is Reginald Lewis. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the first black billionaire. As a matter of fact, he his company Beatrice Foods used to own Krispy Kreme. Was that right? Yeah, the the owner sold it to him. And is he from Atlanta? It's no Reginald Lewis is from I think Maryland. Okay. Krispy yeah, Kreme was like based in Atlanta, right? No, it's uh, uh the Carolinas. I think North, North oh, Carolina. Is that? Okay. South Carolina. Yeah, that's where okay. they based at. Gotcha. But um, uh, through his company, Beaches Foods, uh, he used to own Krispy Kreme. Um, another mentor in my head is uh Robert Johnson, BET. You know, uh, I like to read books about you know uh people who are wealthy who made it, because yeah. in those books are clues. Success leaves yeah. clues. You're the you second. Know? You're the second person in that chair who said that, man. I yeah. love that. I love yeah. that phrase. You yeah. know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, you don't. You know, there's you someone who can guide you. You, you know? don't. And and one of the most important things that I've learned that thoughts are real. Like what you think, that's energy. And to me, the word think means um, thought and write it down. Ink. When you put something down on paper, it's ninety percent done. You know, and, and, and how I do it, how I like live my life, whatever vision I have, I live for it at the end like it's already done. Like that's why I, I don't hear no's. Because as far as when I'm, if I'm talking to you, you feel it's done. Yeah. You know, I'm already there already. Right. You know, it's like I've already celebrated. I already, already gave gratitude to God. Thank you, God, for that being done. Because once you think it, it's already done. Yeah, you know this. This life is not hard. You know, people. You know, the hard work. Nah, dude. Just understand the laws, and don't violate them. You'll become successful. You know, the spirit wants you to be successful. Everybody be successful. Just follow simple principles. Respect people. Be kind to people. Be in contribution. Be compassionate. You know, those are the things that you do to become successful in life. You know, people say, "Well, why do you want a, a billion dollar company?" So I can give away money. What better feeling is that to give away money? Yeah. And I've noticed, like, with people who have money, like Oprah and Bill Gates, the more you give away, the universe says, no, 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 you're not going to give more away to me. They keep giving them more. That's how it works. 
You know, money's energy. That's why they call it currency. You know, it's supposed to flow effortlessly, abundantly. It's out there. You just got to, abundance is something that you tap into. That's it. Once you have it, man, listen, you know, I, w- I want to be the evidence of what's possible. You know, I want to be a conduit for money. Give it away. I want to be, a, I not want to be, I am a philanthropist, you know. That's, that's my whole mission, man. I want to make people happy, man. Donuts make people happy. One donut at a time, man. Yeah, man. I love I love your energy, man. Um, you know, one of the things I ask, I ask people who are mm-hmm. sitting in your chair is, and I think you've said it in many different ways, mm-hmm. but maybe if you, we can just kind of, you know, close with what, what do you define? For you, mm-hmm. what does the word success mean? Success me- means to me doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it. Freedom. Yes. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's the best way I can describe it. Like, if you ain't doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it, dude, you're not free. You're not successful, you know? Yeah. And I feel I'm successful right now because I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. You know? But it's like you said, your dad, like when he went to work, he oh, owned yeah. his spot. Yeah. He was free. I love, you know? I love that. Definitely yeah. love that. Well, you're doing it, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Hey, man, this was... I really appreciate you taking this time, man. I know you have to get to work early in the morning tomorrow. Yeah, I, I as, do. As, as do I. Right, uh, right. Pull another 13-hour day, you know. Yes, yes. But that's what we do, man. And, and I really I really appreciate you taking this time to come out here and sharing mm-hmm. a little bit of your story. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to seeing cousins, dozens all over the world, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you actually having me, man. Really appreciate that. It's been a pleasure. You know, thank you. All right. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.